Welcome back to another episode of Mind Games on the Sellout Crowd Network. I'm Garen Amig, Mind Games columnist and podcaster, host of the show. Thank you very much. Hope you had a good holiday season. Hope you're staying warm out there as the weather hits. We have college football in the uh, crosshairs today with Nick Carparelli, Executive Director of Bull Season, to talk about some of the challenges that uh, Bull Season faces uh, with all of the with the relevance of college football playoff growing in stature and perhaps at the, at the expense of all of the games leading up to the CFP. We're going to get into some issues and some potential fixes with Nick here in just a second. First of all, a big thanks to sponsors of this show and others on the Sellout Crowd Network. They include MidFirst Bank, Two Fellas Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Next Gen Roofing, FireLakeJobs.com, 988 Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline, and Oklahoma Ford Dealers. Drive in your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today. For the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs, Ford is the best in Oklahoma. So my guest this week on Mind Games is Nick Carparelli, Executive Director of Bull Season. It's hard for us to let go of college football in Oklahoma. Uh, National Championship has been played. The Wolverines of Michigan have been crowned. And yet we we still want to cling to the last uh, remnants of of college football season before we begin a very long offseason. Nick, I think, is going to help us do that by sort of encapsulating Bowl season, name of his, his organization, uh, name of the time of year we, we've just gone through, and uh, t- to talk about some of the challenges that that uh, the Bulls are facing, uh, where they might overcome them, where to go from here with the changes of college football. The landscape, of course, is blown up a couple of different times, a couple of different ways. And so I thought this might be some uh, some really interesting uh, material to, to dig into here on Mind Games. Nick, thanks, first of all, for joining me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for Im- inviting me, Garen. Looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Uh, let's 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 get the bio taken care of out of the gate. Tell us and uh, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about uh, bowl season, first of all. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I've been very, very fortunate in my career. I've had many great sports jobs. I uh, People ask me what my favorite one was. I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I got my start as a graduate assistant at Syracuse University for head coach Paul Pasqualoni working in recruiting. I then was the director of uh, football operations and recruiting at Notre Dame, uh, which was which was uh, amazing. Uh, I was uh, hired by Bill Belichick in New England um, back in two thousand one. Uh, we won. That was the first Super Bowl season. They were not the Patriots, and he was not quite Bill Belichick yet. So I got in on the front end. I only <laughs> have one Super Bowl ring, but probably uh, one more than most. Uh, Mike Trangizi hired yeah. me at Big East. That was a point in my career I really kind of transitioned from an internal operations kind of guy to a hybrid of that and an external relations contract negotiation. I did our bowl deals. I did our TV contract, our schedule for Big East football. Um, I shifted gears a okay. little bit, worked for Under Armour. I was doing deals, outfitting uh, major college athletic programs. We did deals with, with Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Cal Berkeley, Seton Hall, and and that was, uh, I thought that was, that was the greatest job uh, successively along with all the others <laughs> till I became the executive director of bowl season. And um, my friends asked me, how do you even get a job like that? And I don't know if I could explain it. I think I was probably the, the most qualified amongst a group of, of a very small group of qualified people. I participated in bowl <laughs> games as a, as a staff member at Syracuse and Notre Dame. I, I negotiated bowl deals to send our teams from the Big East to bowl games. I did sponsorship deals at Under Armour with bowl games. So I just knew all the people. I kind of yeah. knew the, the industry from different angles, and I'm yeah. very fortunate to, to have the job I have now. 
So is is bowl seasons uh, sort of a, of a marketing wing, a, a public a PR wing, a, a, an organizational wing of, of the bulls, Nick? How how is how is that best described? Great question. Bowl season really has two meanings. It is uh, it's it's a, a time of year on the American sports calendar that people look forward to every year. Right. Right? We have March Madness. We have we have the you know uh, Major League Baseball playoffs and, and the World Series, and we have bowl season in the CFP. Um, so it's it's an event uh, on the sports calendar. But at the same time, we are an association. There's 43 bowl games. They're all members of bowl season. Uh, we have uh, we, we work together on a, a lot of common initiatives. I am the spokesperson for the system. 43 bowl games do a really good job of marketing and promoting themselves in their own community, some of them for, for 100 years. Uh, but I oversee the whole system. I speak for the system and, and, and all the bowl games collectively. Nice. Uh, we do market and promote it pretty extensively. I meet with the, all the commissioners uh, on a regular basis to make sure we're delivering to them and their institutions what they want. So it's uh, there's a number of facets to the job, uh, but uh, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Okay. That makes you then very qualified to speak on behalf of what's going on, right? With 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 the Bulls, and we we've we've hit what feels like a, a pretty big crossroads here with the combination of the onset of the playoff and the importance of the playoff, onset of the challenges of the December calendar, in which players are thinking about the the portal, transfer portal, uh, their draft situation, programs are thinking about a signing class they got to put together in the middle of the month. All of this is sort of colliding and making for a very difficult uh, situation for uh, college football's postseason that doesn't, well, it even involves the playoff, Nick, but it especially involves the games leading up to the, the CFP every year. Let, let's start with as broad a question as I can ask. How, is this a crisis? And, and if so, how, how, how big is it uh, with regard to the, the, what bulls are facing right now? Yeah, I don't think it's a crisis because uh, everything's very fixable. And, and, and all the problems mm -hmm. you mentioned are not problems that are specific to bowl season. They're, they're problems that are affecting all of college football. I, I think college right. football coaches have had enough. You know, when you, when you think about a calendar of events, usually it's sequential, right? Um, somehow college football has managed to stack up a lot of really important things happening all at the same time, right? If you look at the NFL calendar, it goes preseason, regular season, postseason, Combine, draft, schedule release, you know, off-season workouts, free agency, you know, next season, right? Somehow in college mm -hmm. football, we've managed to create a system where it's regular season and then postseason draft, free agency, contract negotiations. We have different languages for those in college football, but they're all happening in December. No one likes it. It's not good for the sport. Uh, it's not good for the coaches. It leads to a lot of a lot of uh, bad decisions by everyone involved. Uh, we need to fix those things. Mm -hmm. it, it's the, the problems are not with bowl games or the bowl system. The problems are with all the circumstances surrounding it. But since bowls are tied into the system, that does create problems for for you and 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 the system, right? I mean, that's if you're if you're if you're linked like you are whatever they're going through is going to get on you and stick to you guys. And it's not going to make your job any easier. There's no way around that. Right. hundred yeah, percent. Correct. Yeah. If, so the, the first thing I, I guess you, you, you land on is this is a glut situation. What, what's the number four, 
I, I don't even know anymore. Is it 43, 41? Well, 43 bowl the number games. Of bowls? So one of them, that counts the championship game. That counts the celebration bowl. That's uh, against okay. two uh, historically black colleges and universities. So 41 bowl games as we know it for 42 teams. Oh, okay. You'll, you'll start there. There's no glut. We don't, this, this doesn't need to be a deal where, where we need to start cutting. That's, well, that's where you, you know, begin I, here, I, 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 I assume. I don't believe so. You know, there, we all the feedback we get from the conferences and the head football coaches is if they're bowl eligible, they want to play in a bowl game. Uh, the, if, if there's a if there's a threat that we're going to have too many bowl eligible teams and there's a team left out, it, that is a crisis uh, on, on on certain campuses. So, you know, the the, the last uh, three years, this past year, we were one team short, and Minnesota filled in at five and seven, and they won their bowl game and extended their bowl winning streak. Uh, two years ago, we were one team short and Rice filled in. Three years ago, we had one team too many. So we're right at the right number. Obviously, Garen, the problem is you can't uh, anticipate accurately how many bowl eligible teams you're going to have at the end of the season when the season begins. But as best uh, as, as historical numbers dic are dictating, we're right at the correct number right now. I've heard this, I think I've, I've seen you reference this in, in past interviews. Um, if if the number's okay, perhaps we ought to revisit bowl qualification. And by that, I'm talking maybe six and six ought not be the standard, even if it's bumped up to just have a winning record. Seven, you know, something as simple as seven and five or seven and six. Uh, am I am I right there with with that, or is that is that an overstated uh, potential fix? Well, that that is a you know I don't know if if that is a fix. I don't know if that's if what that would be fixing. You know, we did discuss that thoroughly a year ago. And, you know, my job is to provide opportunities for all the programs in the country that yeah. qualify for bowl games under the current standards and that want to go to bowl games. So I think it's important to remember that this is a market driven system. You know, I, I don't set the limit. Um, I don't care to set the limit. No one's telling communities they have to host bowl games. No one's telling teams they have to participate in bowl games but they're all willing participants. So at this point in time, where you have a situation where the, the leadership in college football, the 10 conference commissioners, as directed by their institutions, have said, if we are six and six and bowl eligible, we want a bowl opportunity. So that's what the system is currently mm -hmm. providing. You said something a little bit earlier that's interesting. All the talks you've had with, with those connected to the sport, the, the overwhelming sentiment has been, we, we like this system. I think there's going to be a... a, a if, if there are some in, in, the pub, in the public, viewing public, college football public, who aren't sure what to make of the system because of all of the things we're talking about, that those in, in the sport might feel the same way. You're coming at this that's from the standpoint of, no, it's, this is something the sport really wants to keep going. This is something the sport feels strongly about. I want to make sure that's understood here. Yeah, thank you for uh, clarifying that. I, I'm not sure who is saying that. Uh, we need a new system per se. The system needs to be fixed, and the circumstances around the system need to be fixed, as as we talked about. Uh, but but the the people who matter, the the commissioners, the athletic directors, the coaches, the players, they love bowl games. They want bowl games. We heard uh, some comments from Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, Dave O'Sweeney, uh, Kirk Ferentz, talking about that, that we need fixes around the system. But they were all very careful to point out that bowl games are going to be around. For a long time, and um, and we just got to make sure that they're as as healthy and as exciting as they could possibly be. Okay, to that end, uh, let's let's talk about things that might help that along along the way uh, to to sort of solidify the system. 
to make sure that this is viable moving forward as the sport moves forward with, again, an expansion from 4 to 12 in terms of the playoffs with the realignment that it's going to reshape uh, the very structure of college football moving forward. And I was drawn in particular to a, an interview you did. I think it was on the sidelines of the Sugar Bowl with Ross Dellinger of Yahoo, where you were coming off or everyone was coming off the Orange Bowl, which has sort of become ground zero for the problems, right? The 63 to 3 mismatch between uh, George, uh, Georgia and Florida State. You said some interesting things to Ross. And in researching, you've, these are things that you, I, I think you've said in the past that I think it's time we really start hearing. One of the things you said was related to player compensation. This is an automatically a hot button topic because of NIL. You you went there with regard to the bull system. Give us your stance on on the bulls playing a part in player compensation as, as a means to perhaps get more uh, familiar players, starters from more uh, uh, familiar programs opting into bowl games instead of opting out. Player compensation through NIL is still very new. No, no one's figured it out. It is inconsistent from one state to the next, one school to the next. The amount of money players are getting. Some schools have robust NIL programs and are distributing a lot of money to their student athletes and others others don't have very much. Uh, it, it a little bit goes by the levels of, of FBS football. Uh, I think it, no one's going to be surprised, uh, and, I, and I have no data to support this, but I would uh, bang, I would bet a lot of money that football players in the SEC get more money through NIL than football player, football players in the Mid American Conference, uh, and there's going to there's going to be a range of all the conferences in between that. So the notion that NIL be tied to participation in bowl games is really is I don't think should be that revolutionary. Um, people need to be held accountable. Like in every walk of life, if if you're getting paid to do a job, you need to do that job. Uh, I'm not sure what NIL covers for, for some of these programs and some of these student athletes, but if the day comes where participation in a bowl game is, is contingent upon, you know, you, you receiving your NIL uh, uh, allowance, uh, I, I think that would be fair. Um, whether student athletes receive additional money for participation in bowl game, that's another conversation. And if that were to happen, you know, the money has, obviously has to come from somewhere. Bowl games opera, operate on very fi uh, fine lines, very thin margins. Uh, if they were to generate more money specifically for NIL, that's one place it could come from. Uh, if conferences decide, you know what, the payouts don't need to be as high uh, as they are to the conferences, more money can be directed to the student athletes through NIL. That's another way that it could happen. But it's not a it's not an easy answer, but it's a healthy discussion that's that's being had all across uh, uh, the NCAA. And as it pertains to bowl games, it, it needs to be included in that conversation as well. It's interesting. You point out that there is ample opportunity for the programs themselves to hype a bowl game, a corporate sponsor, a locale, convention visitors bureaus at the locale. I mean, you hear coaches at press conferences at the bowl games all the time talk about how well they're treated by the committee, how well the, the they're enjoying the beach if it's in Florida or the amusement park, right, or the or the dinners or the outings or whatever. And yet, there there isn't that space necessarily for players directly to promote the bull that that seems to be incongruent at this point given where we are with nil um well i don't know if it's incongruent i i think i think players can certainly promote the, the destination uh of the game just like coaches do and just like everybody else does i i think when, when these these host committees these bowl organizations they go to great lengths to welcome the student athletes with open arms to their community show off 
what's what's best and most fun and exciting about their community and and with the hopes that everybody's excited about it and comes back in the future so you know the notion that uh, anybody involved in a bowl game is going to promote that that notion I, I think is logical yeah but I'm, i guess what i'm saying is why not have them you know cut a 30 second ad on behalf of the game or or the the, the city right or you're right. In passing in interviews, you're going to have players say, I really enjoyed, you know, Disneyland or Disney World or something like that. But but why not make it that while they're on site, tape something, uh, yeah, a promotional spot and, yeah. and be compensated. 100 percent, Garen. There's certainly nothing wrong with that idea. Um, you mentioned the calendar uh, right out of the gate, Nick, as as the and that's the basis of a lot of issues tied to college football's postseason right now. And I know it's driving coaches in particular nuts. Uh, by extension, it's making things tied to those tied to the bowl games a little crazy. Understood and understandably, given the collision, as you say, of, of college football's uh, sort of the end of the regular season with the off season and the postseason, it is crazy. I don't that the the, the problem is going to be working around what's there. You know, December is December. The end of the academic calendar is the end of the academic calendar. Players uh, need opportunities to sort of rethink their situations with regard to the portal between the fall and spring semesters so that they can enroll in the, in the new semester in time for spring ball, as well as their, their spring semester academics. So what, what, what ideas might we come up with to alleviate the issues from, from your standpoint, the calendar being the calendar? Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. I, I think there needs to be one transfer portal window and it should be at the end of the academic year in May. Um, you know, we, we're not that mm -hmm. far away from, uh, forbidding a student athlete from transferring from one school to the next and playing that following year. Now, we're never going to go back to that. I, I think we are not just college football, but as a society, we're so worried to to allow uh, people to do whatever they want, whenever they want, regardless of the, the, the harmful effects it has on others. Um, I talked about accountability earlier. If someone wants to enroll in a school and they need to commit for one full academic year. I, I think it's hard for a student athlete to make these emotional decisions at the conclusion of a season. I think it's hard for coaches to know what their roster is going to look like. I think you see a lot of people making really bad decisions for themselves and for others um, because they're they're emotional and they don't have the full story. So if a student athlete enrolls in the, in the fall and he cannot uh, uh, transfer to another institution until the May a transfer portal window. I think it gives him, it gives his coach, it gives his institution the spring, uh, spring practice. Spring rosters look very different than the previous fall rosters do. Uh, and I think sometimes there, there there's a, a maybe a, an opportunity for a student athlete that he didn't thought existed. So I think at the end of the spring practice period and you get into May uh, during that transfer portal window, people will make better decisions, more informed decisions, and the system will work a lot better. And mind the, you, Garen, the, no, one's, no, one, no one's telling anyone that they can't be eligible to play immediately the following year. So I think that's a part of some yeah. people's hang-up. You can't tell people they can't play somewhere the next year that they have to sit out. So no, no one's doing that. You're committed for one full academic year. You make whatever decision is best for you in May, and you're immediately eligible the following year. If I say in response, well, if they if they if they have thought it through and they do need the end of or the, the December window, the late December window to get themselves situated in time for the spring semester, that 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 
they they have they've given it to you know the, however however long they think that they they owed the their former program they've given it that shot they've got to get situated at their next program so that they have a chance to make some kind of a jump into winter conditioning slash spring football is that a is that a fair counter to the, the, the to the one transfer portal window that you're you're suggesting uh, I don't think so Garen I think that's exactly opposite of what I'm saying if you make a commitment to an institution it's for a full academic year um if you know Okay. No one has to say that you stay at that ex- uh, that institution the second semester. If I mean, people fail out of college all the time that don't even play sports. I mean, that's always a possibility. You simply can't ro- enroll into a new school until until the next academic year. All right, let's fast forward then in the next season, Nick, and the expansion of the playoff from four to twelve. The assumption is that creates uh, more of an emphasis on the CFP, potentially less even emphasis on the bowl system leading up to. The, the college football playoff and even more worry about uh, whether I don't think like it's viability. We've covered that. This isn't going anywhere, but uh, emphasis on anything that doesn't involve the playoff. Do you buy the concerned? And if not, why? Bowl games are certainly different than they were years and years ago. I think the the context and perspective on bowl games changed when the 14 playoff arrived 10 years ago. I don't think the move to 12 is going to be that much. Uh, different. And the reason I say that is, is we've had a thing called the New Year's Six for 10 years, 12 teams mm-hmm. playing in six bowl games. Only two of those games were were part of the playoff, but the other teams were slotted. Now those 12 teams are going to be playing in playoff games. It's, it's, it's not going to be the exact same 12 teams, but it's going to be very similar grouping. So I think all the rest of the bowl games are going to be having very similar types of teams that they've had in the past. Are you comfortable with the Bulls? I, I take it you are, but I want to make sure I got I have it on record. Are you comfortable with the Bull, with the Bulls being part of the uh, the twelve team system, quarterfinals and semifinals, as it's laid out right now? I'm, I'm very comfortable with them being a part of the system. I, in fact, I think it's critical that they remain a part of the system. Um, I wish that the uh, opening round games were in bowl games as well. I think there's nothing better than going mm-hmm. to a, a playoff bowl game and you have half the stadium in one colors half the stadium in the other colors the stadium mm-hmm. is loud the entire game there's no quieting down for the offense uh and it's just a magical environment you look at the two semifinal games this year they would not have been the same if they were on any of the four campuses i think we lose a lot if we go to campus sites uh right now it's it's slated for that though them to be the uh, opening round games but uh we fully expect that they'll it'll be limited to that any chance you think there'll be a switch to Bulls even for the 5 through 12 games, if not next year, then at some point soon? I th- certainly do think there's a chance. I think these next two years are going to be a trial run of this new 12-team system of sorts. Um, I think there are a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of doomsday scenarios. You know, uh, if, if, if the wrong campus is hosting a game at the wrong time, students are not in session, not a lot of hotel rooms that, that, that they had a year to plan for. Uh, available weather could be a big, big issue. Um, there's a lot can go wrong. There's a lot of concerns in my mind. So the next two two years will tell a lot. Does the counter to that become Nick? And I, I take it you've heard this. Does the counter become you're asking not so much the programs to travel uh, uh, another round of games, but the fans to foot the bill for travel to another round of games potentially. Yeah, that I don't kind know of, how many games you've been to in your life, Garen. I'm, I'm sure you've been to quite a few. I've been to hundreds, literally hundreds. Um, many of these small college towns I go to around the country, um, 
the airports are jammed. The RVs are everywhere. Uh, hotel rooms are packed. You can't get one. And it's not because visiting fans are coming. They get very small allotments. Um, home fans who root for the home team are traveling to their home venues for games six, seven times mm-hmm. a year. So the notion that we're eliminating travel is is kind of foolish. Uh, and 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 to be honest with you, I think most of those fans and the and the cold weather uh, institutions would much prefer to be traveling south. The contract situation. I want to make sure we we cover this before we, we while we have you, Nick. Um, twenty. I, I keep seeing twenty twenty after the twenty twenty five uh, cycle as being where a lot of the contracts for a lot of these bulls are. Uh, do I have that right? First of all, does that does that get is that sort of a, a touch point year for for when this when contracts are revisited here? Yeah, we, we have two years left on all the existing contracts, and then in twenty twenty six season, we're going to see a big. Uh, big juggling, uh, shuffling of, of the deck, if you will. What becomes the biggest challenge with that? Is it the, is it the new conference? This is the realignment. Is it some of the other things we've talked about here on the show? It's all those things. And I don't know if it's a challenge so much as an opportunity. I mean, you see every bowl, relatively speaking, has uh, partnerships with two conferences for either side of the game. Um, these conferences have become a lot bigger. Uh, geography has become blurred. I think you're going to see some opportunities for conferences and by extension, their institutions having opportunities to play in bowl destinations that they may never have had before uh, and to play against opponents that they may have never had before. So I think that's going to be exciting uh, and it's going to create a lot of great opportunities for these institutions. Would you foresee a day where there are no conference tie-ins to some of these games, if not most or all of these games? That would be a really good discussion, right? You, you get 12 teams out of the way, teams 13 through, you name it, the next eight bowls, 10 bowls, if it was truly an open selection process where you can have compelling matchups and uh, that, are, that are regionally driven and, and, and poll driven. I think that would be a lot of fun. And I think that's something the conferences are going to discuss with us. Do you see a change in the start of bowl season as it relates to the end of the regular season anymore it feels like there's not nearly as big a lag as it is because you got to get all these games in right we're not waiting three to four weeks for all of these games just just the majority is it possible that you even push it closer to the end of of even conference championship weekend or is is the december uh calendar where where the the Bull Association likes it. Bull season likes it. Everything's open for discussion. You know, obviously the, okay. the championship game is going to be pushed the other direction. Do you start the front end of the bowl games earlier? Um, we will talk about that. Um, you know, anything's possible. You wouldn't even if, would you would you consider front loading all the way to create if, if if week zero games are at neutral sites are you know have corporate sponsors and are put in NFL stadiums. Could you could you conceivably see a, a point where that becomes one of the bowl games, end of August as opposed to early December, or is that not the, that that or is that not the spirit of the enterprise? End of August versus early December is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, like if you, you like say you took uh, Gronk's Bowl in L.A. I, I think it's Gronk's now. It used to be yeah. Jimmy Kimmel's, right? And yes. you yes. move that to they put they put they they've had you they had uh, say Oregon played I don't know Nebraska at SoFi Stadium. In one week zero, and that became that bowl game. 
or is that just that isn't relevant to to the enterprise? Well, I think it, it would be a different system, you know, for sure. It'd be a different concept. Um, I, I think uh, the, the early season games, the kickoff games, if you will, that there's a handful of them that are that are held every year, and and those those can be held. You don't need a system for those. Um, so I think if there's a if there's a desire on behalf of two teams to play a neutral site game at the beginning of the season, it'll continue to happen. To wrap up, I want to cover a network question real quick. Right now, it's an ESPN enterprise for the most part, with with one or two exceptions. Would you would you uh, would this be better served if there were more uh, more of a multi network uh, enterprise or even a two network enterprise with someone like Fox moving in and taking more uh, control of this? Yeah, I think uh, bowl games uh, serve a tremendous service to ESPN as as um, you know events in and of themselves. They're some of the highest rated uh, sports programs in the month of December outside of the NFL. They far surpass the NBA and and uh, and even the best college basketball games. Uh, and they also serve great promotion leading into the playoff. Any great postseason system has great lead in games before you get to the pinnacle event. Um, I think Fox would have great interest in televising some other bowl games if they were to have a piece of the college football playoff. Obviously, they haven't in a while, so they they've they haven't um, really they, they televise a great game in the Holiday Bowl, but beyond that, they haven't invested uh, uh, any further. But I think it's likely that you would see that should they should they get a piece of the CFP moving forward. Okay, before college football gets away with us, college football talk. With Nick Carparelli, Executive Director of Bull Season here on Mind Games. We thank him for his time. We thank you for your time. We'll be back next week with another show. Be warm, be safe, and be well.